you? Hallelujah. Man, it's just good to be in the house of the Lord today and on this fine, fabulous Super Bowl Sunday. You know, the New England Patriots and the, and the, and the Atlanta Falcons, they're pumped up and they're ready and they're going to be facing off on the world's biggest stage, right, in the world's greatest game, in my opinion. No one else agrees with me. I'll take a drink. Here, I thought I'd start today's sermon with some Super Bowl fun facts. Check this out. All right? Today, 8 million pounds of guacamole will be eaten. I hope I get one of them. Can I get a witness? Yeah. 14,500 tons of chips will be consumed along with that guacamole. Right on, right on. Of the 10, of the 10 most watched television programs ever, nine of those have been Super Bowls. Do you know what the number one show, television show was? That's right. The series finale of MASH. Yeah. Nobody even saw that. Yeah. Don't care how old you are. They're still, the reruns are still on. Yeah. Over 700,000 footballs were made this year for the NFL, and about 72 of them will be used today in today's game. Yep. As long as they all have the right amount of air pressure in there, it'll be a... Oh, I'm sorry. 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 Listen listen to this, all right? 72,000 fans paid on average... $5,000 each to sit in a stadium that costs $352 million to watch 22 men being paid $1.8 million to to dispute the possession of a $16.95 ball. That's what today is all about. Man's most coveted position in, in the NFL is quarterback. For the ladies, most of them it's the tight end. We'll leave that alone. Hey, these are just the statistics I'm reading to you. I don't, you guys' mind go off anywhere. I'm sorry. I hope I didn't offend anybody with that one. I debated whether or not using that, but it, it was too funny to pass it up. The NFL has a policy against holding the Super Bowl uh, in stadiums uh, in a stadium, in a, in a city where a stadium, where the climate is less than 50 degrees, unless it's a covered stadium. That's just an interesting fact, I thought. But it reminded me of a story that I heard a while ago. You may have heard this story, too. But um, a, a person went into the Super Bowl stadium, and he was surprised to see an empty seat next to a, a woman at the Super Bowl. And so he asked the woman about the empty seat. And she said, well, it was my husband's, and he passed away. And he said, well, I'm, I'm sorry about that, but I'm really surprised that you know, another family member or a friend didn't come and, and take that empty seat. She said, yeah, me too. They all decided to go to the funeral. <laughs> all right, I'm done. I'm done with that. I'm done. All right, I need, my, I need my Pentecostal cloth after that one, man. I'm, you guys are a tough audience. I only got 20 minutes now to get this done. So, yeah, now I get a hand clap. Yeah, there is, this is a true story, okay? It's not something I read on the Internet. It's a conversation I had with a guy at the gym who loves to watch football. 
And I said, well, who's your favorite team? So I don't really have one. I thought to myself, Cleveland Browns fan. <laughs> Are you a Cleveland Browns fan? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dakota. I'm sorry, so I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, they won one this year. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord. <laughs> You know, today's game is going to be witnessed by millions, if not billions, of people worldwide, and, and several of you here. How's, who's coming today to the Super Bowl party? All right. Praise the Lord. We're glad that you're coming. And we are turning off halftime. We're not watching Lady Gaga at the church. I'm sorry. If you, hallelujah. Can I, can I get a witness? That's just not happening. That's just not, not, not happening, not happening. So. So multitudes are going to tune, tune in today to watch two teams engage in an epic battle of wits and wills, right? That's what football is, to, defi- to decide world football supremacy, the world championship. Listen, church, we have a great multitude watching us as well. Matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know, our Super Bowl, the church's Super Bowl, what we do every every week, every day of the week, especially on Sundays when we come together and on Wednesdays, is so much more important than any football game being played today. We're on the championship team. I just want to remind somebody of that. And like I tell our team almost every Sunday morning when we go in that back room to pray, I don't care what Sunday it is. I say today is somebody's Super Bowl Sunday. Because I believe that God has brought you here today to speak a word to you. And for somebody in this room, maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you accept him before this day is over, you win. You are a true champion. Amen? Amen. Our desire at Grapevine Fellowship is to be a Super Bowl church. And listen, you don't have to win every game to be a champion. Matter of fact, the the Patriots, what, 14 and 2, they lost two, right? What about the Falcons, 11 and 5? They lost five games, but they're still in. For One of those two teams is going to be the world football champion today. You don't have to win every game. You just need to win when it matters most. We won't win every, every battle, church. We won't. We will be defeated at times. We, we will fall short. We will, get, we will stumble. We will make mistakes. But listen, in the end, have you read the book? Has anybody read the book? We win. Tell your neighbor, we win. Whoa. And if you look at Super Bowl champions and, and, you, and, and you look at the church, there's some great parallels. I just threw this in here. Listen, they play with helmets. We have a helmet of salvation, don't we? They have shoulder pads. We have the breastplate of righteousness. They wear thigh pads, and we gird our loins with the truth. Amen? They have arm pads, and we have a shield of faith. And they wear cleats, and we shot our feet with the gospel of peace. Anybody need a little peace today? Hallelujah. This morning, I want to look at the characteristics necessary to become a Super Bowl church. Hey, it's Super Bowl. I entitled it Super Bowl Church, right? Because we want to be a Super Bowl church. We want to be victorious. And there's some great things here that we can pick up on today. First thing is the Super Bowl church has to have a good defense. You got to have a good defense. Listen, offense sells tickets. 
but defense wins games. Three people agree with that statement. A Super Bowl champion has to have a solid defense, one that stops the opponent's attacks. Amen? You've got to be able to block the fiery darts of the enemy of your soul because he's out to kill, steal, and destroy. His mission statement hasn't changed at all. Kill, steal, destroy. He gets up in the morning and the first thing on his mind, kill, steal, and destroy by any means necessary. When he gets all his little dinky demons together, and yes, they're dinky, his pep rally is, come on, huddle up, guys. Kill, steal, and destroy. On three. One, two, three. <laughs> Trying to have a little fun here today. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6 tells us this. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, what's it there for? To defeat the enemy, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. We must defend our faith. We must defend our life. We, need to, we are in the fight for our lives, amen? Listen, you may be saved, you're on your way to heaven, but you don't have to walk in defeat on this planet, amen? We can be victorious, Amen? Paul exhorted the Christian. He said, always be ready to give an answer. 1 Peter chapter 3, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready, some translations say, to give an answer, to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness. And listen, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You have to be able to tell people the why you have hope. Why do you have hope in you? His name is Jesus. Amen. You don't have to know how to exegete the scriptures. You don't have to be a, have a doctrine in theology. You just need to tell people why you have hope. Amen. Can you do that? Do you know why you have hope? His name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to sing a song. His name is Jesus. No, nobody got time for that today. <laughs> Anthony, sit down. <laughs> You're making me nervous. No, kidding. Just kidding, just kidding. I'm taller than you today. Here's the second thing, Super Bowl Church. You need to know the playbook. Now, you don't have to be a doctrine. You don't have to have a doctrine. You don't have to have a huge education. But you need to know the playbook. Listen, great football players know their playbook. The Bible is our playbook. This is your playbook, and we need to know it. We need to know the content. We need to know what it says. We need to know the promises that God has given us. We need to know that we're victorious, amen? We need to know that we're the head and not the tail. We're the first and not the last. We're chosen generation, a royal priesthood. We're the saints of God, amen? So how do we get to know our playbook? Well, one, by reading it, right? Charles Spurgeon, great, great theologian, he was asked, Many years ago, of course, because he's dead for a long time now. But how can a Christian obtain thorough knowledge of the Bible? And he replied this, there are three rules in order to, to, that you need to follow in order to have a deep understanding of the Word of God. You might want to write these down. I didn't leave room for this in your notes because this is revolutionary, okay? Number one, you've got to read it. Number two, you've got to read it. And number three, I'll give you a guess. 
you got to read it. I'm telling you, it'll set you free right there. It's enough information this morning to set the captives free. Amen. Read the Word of God. The Bible doesn't need to be rewritten, but it does need to be reread. Over and over and over again. How else do we get to know our playbook? By memorizing it. Every player on the field today has memorized their playbook. The less they understand about each play, the less successful they'll be in the game of football. Same is true with us. We teach our children in Sunday school to memorize scriptures. Matter of fact, we give them Bible bucks. Maybe we should start giving the adults Bible bucks. Yeah, yeah. See. <laughs> Psalm 119 says in verse 11, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Man, you got to get it here. And the only way to do that is to, to read it, to memorize it, to meditate on it, to get to know this word. Joshua 1.8 says this, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is in it. Read this part with me. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Do you want to be successful? Then meditate on the Word of God day and night. I didn't say it. I just read it to you. Third way to get to know your, your, your playbook is just by studying it. Read it. Memorize it. Study it. Reread it. Keep going back to it. We need to understand its history. We need to understand its, its, its prophecy. We need to understand, in some degree, its theology. What does the Word of God mean? What is it saying to you? What does it mean that Jesus Christ died and He resurrected? Amen. What does it mean that Jesus is living in your heart? Man, you need to know the fundamentals. You need to get the basics down. Amen? Amen. Then you'll be successful. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, he said, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We've got to study the word of God. How else do we become a Super Bowl church or champion? Trust the play caller. You've got to trust the play caller. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is our play caller? Listen, if any one of the teams today playing in the football has any, if there's any members of their, of their starting team that are on the field today that has any doubt in their mind that the coaches or the quarterback can make the right calls, they will not win the game. And listen, there's too many people in the church today that really doubt the role of the Holy Spirit. We, we, we treat him like he's the elephant in the room. Well, he's part of the Trinity, but we don't talk about him. No, I'm telling you what, he's a very real part of your walk. Without the Holy Spirit, we will not be successful. We will walk in defeat, amen? You might make it into heaven, but I don't know about you, but I want power on this side. I want victory on this side, amen? I, I want to take as many with me as I possibly can to the other side. There's only one thing better than going to heaven, in my opinion. It's taking somebody with you. There's also only one thing worse than going to hell. Taking somebody with you. Works both ways. The Holy Spirit, he's the one that signals the plays from God. But he also brings understanding of the playbook. He's the one that quickens you when you've studied it and you've memorized it and you've read it and you have it in your heart. It's the Holy Spirit that brings it to your remembrance when you're in the midst. Anybody experience that? In the midst of a battle, all of a sudden you've got a scripture and it just, it just release, relieves you and releases you, amen? It just, it just takes away the power of the enemy. The Word of God is your weapon, family. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teach, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with what? Spiritual. Spiritual things with spiritual. Not spiritual things with carnal. The Holy Spirit is the one that teaches us. He's the one that equips us. He's the one that brings these things to our remembrance. Listen, the Word of God is sufficient to supply all God wants you to know about Himself and His will for our lives. It's all in here. It is all. It's all in here. But Scripture must be illuminated by the Holy Spirit in your life. Without the Holy Spirit, I'm afraid that the Word of God is not alive in our lives. Anybody ever try to read the Bible before they were saved? Blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make fun of the Word of God, but for a carnal mind, that's what it was. Thou shalt... What? Speak English! No habla! But once I got the Holy Spirit in my life, once, once I became a Christian and the Holy Spirit resided in me and I began to read the pages of the Word of God, it's just like, it's clicking. It's like, oh, that was in there the whole time? Oh, and I'll read the same verses for 20 years and all of a sudden, yeah, that said that? I read that 20 years ago and it said that? Why didn't somebody tell me? Holy Spirit says, I just did. I just told you what you needed to know. The Spirit of God works through the Word of God to accomplish His purpose in our lives. Here's the one I really wanted to get to today. The Super Bowl church, the Super Bowl champion, is someone who learns to play through the pain. One of the things that I'm, I'm most pressed about Football is how many players play hurt? Roger Staubach. Dallas Cowboy idol, if you will. One of the greatest, Roger Staubach. One of the greatest quarterbacks. And I don't, like, I don't even like the Cowboys. Sorry, Mike. Sorry, Mr. Mike. Sorry, all you Cowboy fans. But that guy was awesome. Here's what he said. If you're not playing football hurt, you're not playing football. So what is it that causes these people to play through the pain and even sometimes risk their own lives, their livelihood? Some men play so hard, hurt, that they never recover after they retire. Here's another question before we get to that one. The Bible said in Hebrews that we are the players. It says that that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who are cheering us on. Go, Ron. Go, Ron. You can do it. It also says that there are times that you're going to face suffering. Nobody wants me to preach like that, do they? It's the Word of God. i got to tell it to you. That at times we're going to be in pain. But Paul said, stay the course. Stick it out. Endure. Play through the pain because if you play through the pain and hurt, you'll win the championship. There are too many people hurt by the church. I just talked to somebody at our other campus just this week. I'm hurt. I said, well, you'd come to a good church then because most of us in this church have been hurt, pastor included. I don't talk about this a lot 
But when we left our first church, I was ready to never step back behind the pulpit again in ministry. Can I let you in on a secret? And I don't mean to offend anybody here, but it's honest God truth. Sheep bite. Sheep bite. You're the sheep, right? I have been bit by sheep, and it hurts. And when we left the church, I was okay to go to work for the rescue mission. I'm still serving the Lord. I still get to preach the word of God. I get to lead people into the kingdom of heaven, and I get a nice big fat paycheck. Hallelujah, the best of all the worlds, amen? And I would have been okay there for a long time, but God began to change my heart. And I'm telling you, there's restoration I'm healed today. I, I, I am so grateful. And do I still get bit sometimes? Yeah. And does it still hurt? Yes. Please stop biting me. Gosh, it hurts. But I will not. I will not lay down. I will not give up the mantle. I will not walk away from the ministry. I will not give up the pulpit again. Amen. Peter said this in chapter 4. He said, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trials you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Why are we surprised when we get hurt? You know why I don't think it hurts so much anymore? It's because I'm not surprised. I just know they're going to happen. We're people. I make mistakes. Some of the hurts I get, I deserve. Can I be the first one to stand up here? and I shouldn't get that loud of an amen on that. Sorry, sister. But it's true. I make mistakes. And I pay the price for those, amen? Now you can give me the amen. I'm teasing you. You're still precious to me. But we all have hurts. We hurt on so many different levels. And some people have even stepped out of the game. And you know what? Listen, it's okay for a little while. Sometimes that's okay for a little while to step out of the game. Take some time if you're hurt. Take some time to to recover if the hurt's bad enough. But listen, at some point, you've got to get back in the game. You ever see the football players, man, they hurt, they limp off, and, and they sit out a play or two, and next thing you know, they're sprinting out there. Guess what? They got wrapped up. They're still in pain, but they're ready to play the game. Listen, there's a lot of us today with wraps, and we're still sitting on the sideline. We're still bruised, and we're still broken, and we're still bleeding. But God says, hey, listen, take time to heal for a minute, but don't, don't, not, don't not get back in the game. Did that make sense? Made sense to me. Get back in the game. Don't quit before the miracle happens. Where are you today? Do you need to come out for a play or two? If that's the case, that's okay, but don't walk away altogether. Don't give up on God. Some of you have been out for years. If your hurt hasn't healed from a long time ago, it's time to seek some resolution. So here's a few things real quick. I know, it's, I know it's time to dismiss, but if you give me 10 more minutes, I promise I'll have you out of here. Why do some people continue to play hurt? Because they know that their contribution matters. You matter to God. He cares so much about you. He values your time and your effort. He wants you to know that your life matters to him, that your life has purpose and meaning. That, that Mike said a little while ago, you were a mistake. Well, you don't know what my mom and dad did in back of that car. Well, you still weren't a mistake. <laughs> Took a minute, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I 
You have God-given gifts and abilities that help the church grow. I told you this last week, I believe it was, or something. I don't know. Maybe I said it in the team meeting. There's 5% of things that you do that nobody else can do. Every person in this room, there's a 5% of you that nobody else can do. The other 95%, people can do it. But what about that 5%? How many people will that 5% affect if you get back in the game? Your contribution matters to God. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, it says, But when you do a charitable deed, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be done in secret. And your Father who is in secret sees and himself will reward you openly. Listen, the things that you do, God sees them. The things that you do in the quiet, it's okay. You don't have to put them on blast because when you do, there's your reward. Hey, we serve the Lord. We, we run a food bank, and we do that as a team. That, that's still a blessing to God. But there's things that happen at the food bank under, under, the, under the radar every day, all the time. People are doing things to bless others that nobody knows about but God. Here's the second thing. Why do we continue to play hurt? Because it's about something bigger than ourselves. It's not about me. It's about him. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 and 13, 10 through 13 say, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving reference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Oh, why did he put that in there? Continuing steadfast in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Man, we should be taking care of our own. And listen, this thing is not about me. It's about something bigger than me. It's about people who are dying and going to hell without my 5%, without my contribution, without me stepping up to the plate, licking my wounds, stop feeling sorry for myself. I'm doing something for the Lord. That matters. I might start preaching in a minute. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> there, listen, someone said this. There's, there's no limit to what you can accomplish if you're not worried about who gets the credit. Why else do we play hurt? Because we love the Lord. Because we love the Lord. Go back to our opening text in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. Listen, Jesus loved you so much that he went to the cross and he despised the shame and he endured it. Why should we get back in the game? Because we love the Lord enough. Because it's the only reason you're still on this planet. The only reason he's left you here in this falling apart world where sin is rampant and, 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 and pain and disease and sickness is, is running amok. The only reason you're still here, Christian, is because there's 5% of you that needs to get busy doing what you've been called to do. All that preaching, I got three amens. Fix your eyes on Jesus. 
Because at the end of your game, you're going to have to stand up, look Jesus in the, in the eyes, and be able to say to him, I gave it my all. I'm afraid many of us can't do that yet. I gave it my some. I gave it my little bit. Your spiritual growth will shine through your life when trouble or tragedy come your way. But you can't back down. You can't give up. And you can't give in. You have to limp back on the field for the team, not for yourself. You limp back out on the field because no one greater, no one player is greater than the other. I love what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. And I already referenced this earlier during worship. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and, and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A Sunday school teacher was asked, asked a question. Who can tell me what a yoke is? And a little boy threw up his hand and he said, a yoke is something that they put around the neck of an animal. She said, great. Who can tell me what the yoke of God is. A little girl raised her hand and she said, it's when God puts his arms around your neck. It's the truth. Family, we don't... We have to play the game even though we get hurt in life. But the beautiful thing is we don't play alone. The Lord has promised that he'd be with us to strengthen us, to give us his grace, and he'll never leave us or forsake us. The Greeks had a race in the Olympic Games. It was kind of unique. It wasn't the runner who finished first that won. It was the runner who finished with his torch still lit. There's many people today whose torch is out, sitting in the pews of the church. It's time to relight that fire. What will you contribute to this church, to the kingdom over the next year? How will you influence the lives around you? You may be hurt, but let me ask you something. Does knowing that you matter to God make you want to get back in the game? With every head bowed, here's how I want to close this. This is a poem. I didn't write it, but it really summarizes what I've been trying to say to you today. And as I read this poem to you with your eyes closed, if any of the part of this registers to you, if any part of this means something to you and, 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 and encourages your spirit, I want you to stand to your feet as I read. It's called Fellowship of the Unashamed. I am part of the Fellowship of the Unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth needs, colorless dreams, chintzy giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, platitudes, or popularity. 
I now live by presence, lean by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven. My road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few. My guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, diluted, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pull of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go until heaven returns, go, give until I drop, preach until all know, work until he comes. And when he comes to get his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear. Lord, that's us. What a great representation of who the church is. There's so many of us, Lord, that have been hurt. And I, wanna, I don't want to take away from that. I don't want to diminish that pain. I understand that pain. But it's time to get back in the game. It's time to let forgiveness overwhelm our spirits and to move back into a place of authority and power in Jesus Christ. And with every head bowed in this room and every person praying, maybe you're here this morning and Jesus is not your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never committed your life to him or maybe you know you've just done your own thing. You got so hurt, you walked away completely from God and you'd say, you know what, today I want to get right. If that's you, would you show me your hand say, Pastor, I need Jesus. Thank you. See your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Wonderful. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I want back in. Please forgive me and help me to forgive others. I accept the free gift of salvation today. And I say yes to you and to your will name I pray. Amen. 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 Let's give the Lord praise in this place one more time.